Zachary Bartles, pastor of Judson Baptist Church, and you're listening to Mimi Reads the Bible. Welcome back <laughs> to Mimi Reads She Doesn't Know What. Here we well, are. I know it's the Bible. We're regretting that we haven't done a, a listener poll to uh, determine what Mimi would read after um, reading Ruth, but I had... A couple suggestions, and it's like when I ask my wife, where are we going to eat? Or, frankly, when she asks me, where are we going to eat? We'll, we'll say, well, I've, I've given four or five good ideas, and you didn't really answer any of them. And uh, I think it's the paralysis of the analysis. You're thinking you're going to be locked in for several, at least several weeks. And if we get into some of these options that you brought up, it could be much longer. Yeah. Um, so here's what I suggest. We do put out a poll. But to fill the time this week, because you're so indecisive, you read Judges 4, the story of uh, Deborah uh, and Barak and uh, Sisera and my very favorite Old Testament heroine, the quick-witted and uh, very brutal J.L. Yael. Here's something interesting about J.L. while you're flipping back. Her name is essentially the same as Elijah's name. It's just backwards. Huh. So his, his Eli means uh, my God is Yah, Yahweh, Elijah. And uh, hers is Yah El. Yah is my God. Uh, so it's both of them, their names basically mean Yahweh is God. And uh, they both are pretty hardcore about uh, defending that in a way that makes everyone really uncomfortable today. So why don't you read? Hold, <laughs> settle down. Oh, okay. Well, here's a little background. Well, uh, well, Mimi is determining whether or not she can do this. I'm all amped up, partially because I just had a monster. But which, which, by the way, I saw the video again yesterday on my Facebook memories of the lady explaining why monster is satanic. Satanic. Yeah, it's great. It's like a it's like a master's class in bad exegesis and bad logic. But uh, also, I just got in a, a little car wreck, like a fender bender. And and I'm sort of rattled still, you know. So, you so I'm I'm not normal right now. If I ever <laughs> could be brain damage. Oh come on! <laughs> I mean, from the accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Judges chapter four. Oh, she's gonna do it. Deborah and Barak. After Ehud died, the people of Israel sinned against the Lord again. So the Lord let them be conquered by Jabin, a Canaanite king who ruled in the city of Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived at Harasheth of the Gentiles. Oh, is that a resort on like a... (laughs) It's very nice this time of year. Jabin had 900 iron chariots, and he ruled the people of Israel with cruelty and violence for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, the wife of Labadoth, was a prophet, and she was serving as a judge for the Israelites at that time. She would sit under a certain palm tree between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel would go there for her decisions. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoan, 
from the city of Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, has given you this command. Take 10,000 men from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them to Mount Tabor. I will bring Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, to fight you at the Kishon River. He will have his chariots and soldiers, but I will give you victory over him. Then Barak replied, I will go if you go with me, but if you don't go with me, I won't go either. She answered, All right, I will go with you, but you won't get any credit for the victory because the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah set off for Kadesh with Barak. Barak called the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men followed him. Deborah went with him. In the meantime, Heber the Kenite had set up his tent close to Kadesh, near the oak tree at Zananim. What? Zananim. What verse are you in? Eleven. Your guess is as good as mine, okay. dude. Zananim. He had moved away from the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobeth, the brother-in-law of Moses. When Sisera learned that Barak had gone up to Mount Tabor, he called out his 900 iron chariots and all his men and sent them from Harosheth of the Gentiles to the Keshon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, the Lord is leading you. Today he has given you victory over Sisera. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with his 10,000 men. When Barak attacked with his army, the Lord threw Sisera into confusion together with all his chariots and men. Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army of Herosheth of the Gentiles, and Sisera's whole army was killed. Not a man was left. Sisera ran away to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, because King Jabin of Hazor was at peace with Heber's family. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come in, sir. Come into my tent. Don't be <laughs> afraid. So he went in, and she hid him behind a curtain. He said to her, Please, give me a drink of water. I'm thirsty. She opened a leather bag of milk, gave him a drink, and hid him again. Then he told her, Stand at the door of the tent, and if anyone comes and asks you if anyone is here, say no. Sisera was so tired that he fell sound asleep. Then Jael took a hammer and a tent peg quietly went up to him and killed him by driving the peg right through the side of his head and into the ground. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come here, I'll show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there was Sisera on the ground, dead, with the tent peg through his head. That day, God gave the Israelites victory over Jabin, the Canaanite king. 
they pressed harder and harder against him until they destroyed him. Nice. Now, I think we need to hear Uriah Deborah's song as well. But before we do that, I want to point out one thing I've noticed. Everyone, like when I was a kid and even in college and seminary, whenever this came up, people would talk about Deborah and Barack. And then with the kind of ascension into the public sphere and prominence of Barack Obama, everyone now says Barack, which is correct. <laughs> Both of those are it's the same vowel pointing. It's, it's a comets. So it's ah, it's a Barack. Um, so that, that's a nice little bit of, of uh, movement there in pronunciation. Some of the other pronunciations here, Za'ananim. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I, I don't know if that ever occurs anywhere else. Now, Kadesh, of course, Kishon, we were just talking about Elijah, the Kishon River, Kishon Valley, that, that all plays into his story. But, uh, yeah, some, some pretty difficult stuff there to pronounce, <laughs> especially when I just sprung this on you with no, uh, with no advance notice. Do you remember reading this for the first time and, and reading, okay, but if you're such a fraidy cat, a woman is going to kill this guy, and assuming it was going to be Deborah who would kill him? Yes, yes, always thinking that it would be Deborah. And yet it's just, it's this rando lady. What I love about this is there is peace between his people, uh, and they're probably a vassal nation, mm-hmm. a group, or, you know, a Bedouin group. And yet what he doesn't know is that these Kenites, you remember the, that uh, Moses' father-in-law Jethro is tied into this group. So they have an interest with Israel and and the one true God. And so she's he assumes he's safe coming in. And she turns on the maternal charm. Like, here's a little blankie. Here's some warm milk. Just go to sleep. Your poor baby. <laughs> and I love the whiny voice you chose for him. That's great. That's wonderful. But do you think that was over the top? I mean, like, she could have tied him up like Delilah or... Or poisoned him. Instead, she just nails the guy's head to the ground. She had some little pent-up yes. anger issues there. That... Now, when my, my wife was pregnant, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. And you know how you start making lists of boy names and girl names? JL was high on my girl names list. Oh, I wanted her to be, if it was a girl, a firecracker... Uh, you know, hardcore, and I thought I'd never heard, I've never bumped into a JL. Never. <laughs> and really, when you think back in the history of the name, how many do you think would mothers say, oh, my dear daughter, JL? I love it. I think it's pretty, and I think that uh, this lady, like, I mean, when, when you have the uh, uh, the whole affair of the Midianite woman, Mm-hmm. Remember that? And, and uh, spearing the the Israelite and the media and, and, and God's judgment being pulled away. Like she's doing the same sort of hardcore stuff that was celebrated throughout Israel, defeating the uh, and in the time of judges. This is a time of stalled conquest. Mm-hmm. Remember, like if you're not going to push everyone out of the land like I commanded, you're going to struggle. And so someone like her shows the sort of no-half-measures, hardcore attitude that Israel, if they had had it, they would have saved themselves an awful lot of trouble going forward. I, I don't know. What, who's, your favorite, who's your favorite character in the mix here? Well, um, 
certainly not Cicera. And um, and I I didn't remember that um, that I don't understand why Barack was so afraid that he would rather have Deborah come or Deborah take credit for it than to go alone when he already knew that God was promising the victory. I wonder if, and we had talked about maybe doing First uh, Samuel, and mm-hmm. uh, early on in that book, there's a story of pulling out uh, the Ark of the Covenant and, and this, this mindset that's very superstitious that says, if we have this with us, whether we're doing God's will, whether we really even trust in God, just having this thing with us means victory. And I wonder if he had sort of kind of the same idea about her. She's a prophetess. She's a holy woman. Um, and if she's with me, I can't lose. Oh. Rather than, you know, trust that yeah. God is with you. I, I've always kind of read it that way. Okay. That makes sense. And, and you know, Deborah becomes one of the earliest female uh, kind of governing leaders. And so much ink has been spilled about what it means that she was a judge uh, at this at this time. Um, you know, and, and what it means for the church today and whether the fact that she was uh, elevated at this point means that Israel was really off track or if this was one way in which Israel was actually doing well. Uh, and whether, you know, the fact that she heard people's, uh, you know, cases, they'd come to her where she sat between these two palms. Uh, maybe that wasn't so much a governing. But when you look at what a judge is in these in, in this book of Judges... A judge is a divinely appointed agent of kind of, the prophets are kind of covenant of enforcement, and the judges are kind of covenant FEMA, right? Like there's, <laughs> there's an emergency, like if the prophets are the police mm-hmm. that are like, get back in line, the, the judges are like, okay, you got out of line, God's allowed you to fall under somebody else's uh, boot heel, and here come the judges to set you free and remind you what it is that that your God has done for you and what how then you should live and Deborah is no uh, she she's not the exemption here she's she's the same yes definitely and, and I think it really speaks volumes that that she says a woman is going to get the credit here and get the glory mm-hmm. I wonder I, I wonder if within um, Jewish circles, if the name JL is is more popular. I mean, I've I've never bumped into anyone who is who's Jewish who has a name either. But it, it may be, you know, my my experience is very limited to the United States and the Midwest in particular. So, well, I grew up in a um, a town that was very much Jewish. Mm-hmm. I always say I was everybody was Jewish in my class except for one Catholic and me, the Baptist. Okay. And um, I never met a jail. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. I, I, I grew up where everyone was Polish Catholic, except for me. And then, and there were maybe like two two or three Jewish people. So it was a, it was a uh, very monocultural type thing. And it sounds like yours was too. <laughs> Did you get Jewish holidays off school? Yeah. That's cool. When I went to college, I had no idea that Everybody didn't get Jewish holidays. Right. You're like, it's Rosh Hashanah. I'm not doing my homework. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, That's what? cool. Now, did you kind of learn about them by necessity then as you got yeah. them up? Or? Huh. Very cool. And that's, what was the name of the town? 
East Brunswick, New Jersey. East Brunswick. That I've heard of. East Brunswick, New Jersey. And near Newark. Well, um, it's a little... Everything by in in New Jersey is by time. It's not by how many miles. Okay. Like, I have no idea how many miles it is. It'd be, it'd be a good 20, 30 minutes from East Brunswick where Newark was. Okay. Um, but it... Everything is relatively closer. Now, I assume all the mob guys there were Catholic, right? Yes. <laughs> just trying to get a rise See, out of See, our next town over was predominantly Catholic. Ah, okay. And um, and there were there were mobs, people there. I figure I can say anything to you right now because you know that if you reach over and whack me on the back of the head, <laughs> oh, that's not right. appropriate considering my whiplash situation here. That's true. That's true. <laughs> What's interesting about this one, too, is it's so early in Judges mm-hmm. that, I mean, we have that really uh, exciting opening story with Caleb and everything. And then we've just started this cycle mm-hmm. of disobey, fall under someone else's oppression, cry out for deliverance, receive deliverance through the judge, repent, rinse and repeat. And so we're not yet fatigued. We've had the Ehud story, which is also awesome, <laughs> involves... Uh, possibly escaping through a sewer system, rudimentary sewer system, um, and, and, you know, stabbing a guy right into the the belly. And then Shamgar, who kills, you know, whatever, with an ox goad, he kills like 600 guys, and that's like two two sentences long, one verse, and then boom, here we are. So it's early, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like it still seems hopeful. Like, oh, we're we're clearing these things up. And it takes a few more chapters before you start to feel like, uh no, we're not learning anything. And do you think we're better off at all today than they were spiritually then? Or, you know, doing what, what is right in their own eyes and, and oblivious to the, the payment? I don't know sometimes if we're any better off. We should be, I feel. But I, I'm not sure that we always are. I, I would go a step further and say we're probably worse off. <laughs> yes. I, Especially considering how much more light we have than those people yes. back then. Um, th- what they knew about God was that he'd rescued them from Egypt, that he'd been faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he was long-suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he had made a promise to do away with you know, the seed of the serpent. But we know just infinitely more, and yet here we stand as if our society is in the exact same place of, well, just do what's right in our own eyes. And when that differs from what God has commanded, well, we'll assume God's in the wrong, won't we? And then when God lets something happen to us, we, we stand up and go, well, there's further evidence that this whole God thing isn't really panning out. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Would you read uh, cha- uh, chapter 5, uh, the whole thing? It's the Song of Deborah. And this is, if you're kind of the critical method um turn-of-the-century, old-school uh, theologian, they'll, they'll say this is one of the earliest pieces of Scripture. Like, this was floating around a, as a uh, spoken, uh, memorized thing long before any, any even of the Pentateuch. Of course, we, we don't believe that, but certainly there, this is something that everybody would have known by heart. Oh. Um, a, a very beautiful thing, and it gives us, keep your eyes open, for details about the battle that you don't know from chapter 4. Okay. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. 
Praise the Lord, the Israelites were determined to fight. The people gladly volunteered. Listen, you kings, pay attention, you rulers. I will sing and play music to Israel's God, the Lord. Lord, when you left the mountain of Seir, when you came out of the region of Edom, the earth shook and rain fell from the sky. Yes, water poured down from the clouds. The mountains quaked before the Lord of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, caravans no longer went through the land, and travelers used the back roads. The towns of Israel stood abandoned. Deborah, they stood empty until you came, came like a mother for Israel. Then there was war in the land when the Israelites chose new gods. Of the 40,000 men in Israel, did anyone carry shield or spear? My heart is with the commanders of Israel, with the people who gladly volunteered. Praise the Lord. Tell of it, you that ride on white donkeys, sitting on saddles, and you that must walk wherever you go. Listen. The noisy crowds around the wells are telling of the Lord's victories, the victories of Israel's people. Then the Lord's people marched down from their cities. Lead on, Deborah, lead on. Lead on, sing a song. Lead on. Forward, Barak, son of Abinoam. Lead your captives away. Then the faithful ones came down to their leaders. The Lord's people came to him ready to fight. They came from Ephraim from into the valley behind the tribe of Benjamin and its people. The commanders came down from Machir, the officers down from Zebulun. The leaders of Issachar came with Deborah. Yes, Issachar came and Barak too, and they followed him onto the valley. But the tribe of Reuben was divided. They could not decide to come. Why did they stay behind with the sheep? To listen to shepherds calling the flocks? Yes, the tribe of Reuben was divided. They could not decide to come. The tribe of Gad stayed east of the Jordan, and the tribe of Dan remained by the ships. The tribe of Asher stayed by the seacoast, and they remained along the shore. But the people of Zebulun and Naphtali risked their lives on the battlefield. At Tanakh, by the stream of Megiddo, the kings came and fought. The kings of Canaan fought, but they took no silver away. The stars fought from the sky as they moved across the sky. They fought against Sisera. A flood in the Kishon swept them away the onrushing Kishon River. I shall march, march on with strength. Then the horses came galloping on, stamping the ground with their hooves. Put a curse on Marrows, says the angel of the Lord. A curse, a curse on those who live there. They did not come to help the Lord, come as soldiers to fight for him. The most fortunate of women is Jael.
the wife of Hebert the Kenite, the most fortunate of women who live in tents. Sisera asked for water, but she gave him milk. She brought him cream in a beautiful bowl. She took a tent peg in one hand, a worker's hammer in the other. She struck Sisera and crushed his skull. She pierced him through the head. He sank to his knees, fell down, and lay still at her feet. At her feet he sank to his knees and fell. He fell to the ground, dead. Sisera's mother looked out of the window. She gazed from behind the latest. Why is his chariot so late in coming, she asked. Why are his horses too slow to return? Her wisest friends answered her, and she told herself over and over, they are only finding things to capture and divide, a woman or two for every soldier, rich cloth for Sisera, embroidered pieces for the neck of the queen. So may all your enemies die like that, O Lord, but may your friends shine like the rising sun. And there was peace in the land for 40 years. Now, that would say that he was a lie. I mean... Yeah, there's certainly uh, some either a discrepancy or kind of a poetic a picture to it. I mean, because we have her as this, this mother, um, and she is kind of this dealer of death. And then the picture of Cicero's mother waiting at the lattice... <laughs> It's so sad, really, but the fact that she says to herself, oh, you know, don't worry, they're just gathering up women, uh, you know, a few for every soldier, and, and gathering up uh, spoil from the battle. Uh, well, everyone knew what they were getting into, and, and uh, it, it seems to me that him falling down is the only part that really... Mm -hmm. uh, and it could have been that either he was starting to fall asleep, and just her putting the peg against his temple made his eyes pop right open, but in that moment it was too late. Or right. he tried to stand up and she nailed him right back down. Whatever happened. Or or just that this is... I mean, it's a song, so it's it's got the right. poetic... What, what do you think of this as a song? Do you think we could sing this uh, at Judson? <laughs> the, the choir? <laughs> the choir could do a little rendition of it. <laughs> the, what's funny to me is it starts out with then saying Deborah and Barack... This song, and and it reminds me of the time in in a musical when everyone just bursts in, a, and they already know it. Like, how do they how do they know this song? And, and the thing is, it talks about Deborah and Barack in the song, and you wouldn't think of that. You know, usually you sing a song about somebody else, and so for them that they are singing the song seems. A little self-serving. <laughs> well, we have to assume it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yes, well, they and they they probably made them. You know, much like our our podcast, the fans have made us continue. Yeah, right. I mean, there's no way they would they would back down now. Yeah, um, so it's the, probably much of that. I was getting crank phone calls when we missed a couple weeks there. People yeah. just like, "Where's the podcast? How come it's not another podcast?" Our our church treasurer Sean listened, binged them all while he was doing the books. Cooking the books for the church. Does cooking the books imply that he's doing something unethical, like the mob guys in New Jersey? No. Okay. <laughs> now, what's interesting to me, too, is how this whole song kind of recaps Joshua, the end mm -hmm. of Joshua, the who settled where, those who settled on the other side of the river, those who came across. And it kind of gives you a nice recap 
mm-hmm. and and really lifts up uh, these these uh, tribes that were really at the heart of the fight, uh, Zeppelin and Neftali. The, at least from their point of view, they were doing the the real heavy lifting uh, here. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the translation you're reading? I I like it. It it's very readable. It's got two names, and I think they're both on the cover there. Good News Bible, today's English version. And we did a little research. I remember reading that as a, a, a tyke there. My mother had one of those. And we learned that it it began in the 70s as a project for people in Africa and other parts east who spoke English, but not as their primary language. So it was a little simpler. Yes. And, and I think that often... It's often refreshing when you read the Bible and, and mm-hmm. you don't have to work to figure out how the sentence is going if if you're in the right frame of mind. Right. What do you usually read? I usually um, read the ESV. I find that is, that's the same philosophy. The, either it's called functional equivalent or dynamic equivalent, um, although it's not as simplified as this. One that might be the equivalent of this is called uh, the NIRV. Have you heard of that? No. The R is lowercase. So it's like the NIV with a little R in there. The R is for readers. Oh. Um, and it's for either younger people, people whose uh, grasp of English is, you know, it's not their first language. Mm-hmm. They struggle with it a little. Or they have a slightly altered version of it for the hearing impaired, which I thought was so odd when I saw it. But it turns out that when you don't speak English out loud... Sometimes it's easier to read things in smaller sentences because of the way people communicate in international or American sign language. It's in smaller chunks. So it gives yes. it to them kind of how they're used to communicating. Wow, that's pretty cool. And when you hear all this stuff, I, I, I just weep when people talk about how we don't need, you know, we don't need any more translations of the Bible. Why not? Yeah, we do. This, this was a great reason for mm-hmm. this. Um, and that, you know... Unless the motivation is purely uh, financial, I can't think of a bad reason to make a new Bible. Or, 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 you know, the New World Translation the Jehovah's Witnesses have where it's there to kind of uh, fix the Bible so it fits their doctrine. Or so. That's not a good reason. But No. But I don't think that... Because um, I think it's nice when you can read one and read another one and see the difference. And... Um, and then, you know, and then, and your mind always goes back to um, the King James Version because that's what you memorize things mm-hmm. as a child, and that's what comes back. And there's some ver- there's some verses that just don't sound right unless you say them in the King. And there's some verses that are basically the same in every translation. Yeah, you know, get, get into Psalm 23, and they mm-hmm. don't dare very much. John 3:16. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there is an issue with the text itself, uh, and so whosoever, uh, no, I'm sorry, not that, uh, um, and so only begotten uh, becomes one and only mm-hmm. because it's a different verb that that we're we're uh, translating, but yeah, there, the King James really has set the standard uh, in many ways. It, it, what's interesting here is that there's a little variation. I double checked in my uh, Hebrew while you were reading, in verse seven. What does yours say? The towns of Israel stood abandoned. Deborah, they stood empty until you came. Came like a mother for Israel. So speaking to Deborah, Mm -hmm. kind of this chorus speaking to Deborah, Mm -hmm. even though it's Deborah and Barak singing, 
Um, and the the Hebrew it says that the villages uh, the villagers stopped in Israel. They stopped existing basically until I arose. I being Deborah, I Deborah arose a mother in Israel. So it it, it pops between mm-hmm. kind of different points of view. So they just simplified that. Um, and and made it easier. Now, the question is, are they allowed to do that? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I could could think of arguments for and against. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little uneasy with it. Like, if if the text says, I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel, um, in the interest of making it more readable, saying, you, Deborah, you did this, It's not a huge deal. It's not. There's no doctrine writing on it. But but why? You know. I mean, it's just to make it that much a little easier for the song's sake. I guess. But the song was perfect, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, if, if if it's inspired, it's it's already perfect. I don't. Yeah. Now, what would happen if a modern kind of praise band were to get a hold of this puppy? And so each verse was sung like 16,000 times. This this literally could be a two and a half hour song. Oh, <laughs> three day weekend. Between her feet, he sank, he fell, he lay still. Between her feet, he sank, he fell, he lay still. Between her feet, he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. Where he sank, there he fell dead. Na, 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 shamalama, bing, bong. Um, <laughs> and now people are going to think that we don't like uh, contemporary worship music here, but we do. Uh, you just got to be able to, you got to be able to laugh. So tell me what your takeaway is from the story, the bizarre story of uh, Deborah Barak, Sisera, and J.L. Well, I think that it's really interesting that um, we don't see where um, J.L. is told, like from the Lord, to do this to Sisera. Uh So you have to think that she took this upon herself, and yet it was the very thing that um, God said would happen that the um, that uh, He would give the victory, and then Barak in, in saying Deborah come, and she's saying, well, then a woman is going to give the victory, or get the and and He probably thought she meant herself, mm-hmm. and yet it was someone else all. You know, and yet I was wondering in the song if it would say something about JL was told or, right. you know. <laughs> you know. No, so maybe the takeaway, and, and tell me if I'm overstepping, <laughs> but maybe the takeaway is if you ever think to yourself, huh, should I smash this person's head with a mallet? Just do it because at the end of the day, you will be celebrated and God will smile upon your efforts. And your name will be in the Bible. <laughs> Now, by the way, but before we get back to that, we should not leave that hanging. But did you notice the the detail of the rain and the mud? And yeah. Basically, we didn't know that from the narration, but mm-hmm. in the song, you find out that their their uh, iron tipped chariots, which were their greatest strength, became their downfall because of the rain and the mud. And it's pictured as the stars fighting against them because it must have been nighttime and the and it was raining mm-hmm. and looked like it was zipping down from the stars. Uh, God was at work even, you know, providentially in that way. 
Uh, but but beautiful to think of when you read these these brutal things. Um, if we put ourselves in this story, we're not the one with the mallet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're the enemy of the Lord. That's what we're told. Well, we were at enmity with Him, yet sinners. Christ came for us, and so instead of us taking one through the temple, Christ took nails through both hands and his feet and a spear in the side and thorns in the brow uh, so that instead of being destroyed like Sisera, we could be raised up and, and sing these songs of deliverance like Deborah and Barak. And that's Barak. And that's wonderful news. I mean, that's to pull us out of that just horribly bleak, wild west violent world of judges and remind us Christ has paid the price that 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 was being paid again and again through bloodshed uh, whether in the temple or on the battlefield uh, it's it's a wonderful thing it is I just found here on that bottom of the um, page that it does make a note mm-hmm. that they stood empty until I, Deborah, came. Okay, so there's a so just a little... A little... And, and I could see how that could be a little uh, hard to... If you, have you ever tried to read stuff, you know, something extended in a language that's not your first? Yes. It, it's, it's hard, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's yeah. hard to get your oh, head yeah. into it. And yeah, so if they made it easier... And our sentence structure is not... Mm-hmm. You know, in in other languages, once you learn the basic sentence structure, you can learn their language better. But English isn't like that. We have so many. What languages did you study in school? Well, I studied um, most extensively German. Say something in German. Was ist los mit dir? Ah, the 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 language of my people. <laughs> I am Deutsch and Dutch to the core. Oh, well. Yeah, and and, uh, my mother learned some German. And you know what she used to sing all the time? I don't think she even knew what it meant anymore. But she'd walk around the house sweeping or whatever and singing, Vor der Caserni. I don't know what it means, but I know it's a real song because I heard somebody singing it in a movie. (laughs) Don't look that up. Yeah, and did you you take it, I mean, in college and everything too and keep going with it? Uh Okay, so. I even had one of the... um, Christian schools that I taught at, I taught German. You taught German. Oh, okay. So it's it's locked in there. Yeah. Do you think if I handed you a a book for sixth graders that was written in German, a novel, you could you could read through it and, and internalize it? Yeah. It would take me a while, but I think it would come back. Very cool. I did not I know that. I to sing to my children, Eins, zwei, drei, die Henne Dein Ei, die Henne legt ein weißes Ei, eins, zwei, drei. I used to sing them nursery rhymes in German. Now, what does that mean? One, two, three, the hen laid, laid an egg, the hen laid a white egg, eins, zwei, drei. One, two, three. Okay. <laughs> See, now they're teaching everybody Chinese uh, and um, Spanish, two really important languages to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really wish, I mean, I wish I spoke Spanish just because every, anywhere in the country you go, yeah. there's a large Spanish-speaking population. I wish people who came to our clothing center or who needed help mm-hmm. could come here and I could just uh, talk to them in Spanish. Um, and I, then I just want it for when I'm standing in line at the grocery store, I know what they're saying around About me. you. 
Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could speak Nepali too, because we have oh, a Nepali yes. group. And I'm working on it. You see, there's some sentences up there. Kasta huncha. That means how you doing? Uh, and every time I say anything, mm-hmm. they all snicker. <laughs> I'm not saying it right. There's a there's a phrase we all you know, jemasi, mm-hmm. which means it basically it's basically a greeting, but I think mm-hmm. it means like. Um, Glory to God or God be praised or something. It, it's a, a Christian greeting. Mm-hmm. And every time I say it, someone in the group that I'm greeting will sort of snicker and, and nudge <laughs> the person next to them. And I'm like, I got to learn this stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, what do you think should be on the uh, the survey here for what you should read next? What are the contenders? What are the contenders? Oh, Oh, see, now that's another decision. You're trying to trick me into yeah, making Yeah, but you don't decision. have to decide. You can just start throwing them out. So we talked about First Samuel, which we started. Yes. You you read two chapters of that already, or mm-hmm. chapter and a half. Hannah's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I suggested Esther, just keeping it on the, like, yes, Bible the, heroine mm-hmm. tip. I love I that book. I do, too. I love anything Persia-related. I've never preached through Esther, but I'm, I'm I've got, like, a theological historical crush on Cyrus the Great. Hmm. And uh, I, I I feel like that was just such a fascinating, interesting intersection of mm-hmm. God's people Israel and this massive world power. Mm-hmm. Um, is that on the, is that a contender? Yes. Okay, definitely. what else? Um, you had uh, said maybe um, a psalm. Some, you know. Selected there are, psalms? Yes. Select, selected psalms. I like and or um, proverbs. Okay, yeah, Pro- proverbs. Those are those are hard to read through and um, discuss. In that, they usually have two or three on one theme, and then it switches and switches mm-hmm. and switches and switches. Um, and I think people like hearing you read extended uh, sections. But I don't want to cramp your style. No. <laughs> What about getting into the Gospels? What about maybe parables of oh, the Lord Jesus? Oh, yes. I like that. Parables of the Lord Jesus. Or I have a huge collection of, uh, and and I'm not trying to, um, what's the word? Patronize you in the, because you're a woman. But uh, I have a huge collection of these stories. When we did this study on women in leadership and women in the Bible, uh, stories in the Gospels involving women. Um, the women who uh, supported Jesus' ministry, uh, the women who were instrumental in the spreading of the gospel, women who were healed, um, the woman caught in adultery, you know, just like uh, Mary Magdalene. There's there's so much of that going on. That might be interesting. That would be very too. interesting. I That's a contender. Be, that is a contender. And yes. you're so you're still reading First and Second Samuel in your in your yes. uh, studies now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that something that Bible study fellowship everywhere? Everyone's doing that. Yes. Okay. See, that might be kind of fun then. You could mm-hmm. loop into uh, a ready base of people, mm-hmm. but it'd be hard to catch up to them. Yes. Well, that sounds like four or five options. Why don't we... <laughs> okay. All right. So here's here's where you want to go. Uh, www.mimireadsthebible. Right at the top of the page, it's going to have the poll or a link to the poll. Maybe I'll make it a Facebook poll. And uh, you just vote once. Unless it's an embarrassing low number of people who have voted, then you vote a few times. Yes. <laughs> so and we... we'll, we'll pretend not to notice. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with, with a little make... self-inflation of numbers. Don't know. make us be the only ones voting numerous It's times. like when you ask a pastor how many people attend your church, and they think back to like 
three Easter's ago, and they're like, well, you know, usually that's two hundred and six. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, God willing. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can find us online at www.churchlancing.com. Scripture this week, taken from today's English version, Good News Bible, copyright 1992 by the American Bible Society, used by permission. And don't forget, God's Word is there to be read all the time. You don't have to wait for me.